So right now, we just gotta keep it. This is Coordinator's Corner, presented by JCW's, The Burger Boys. Live in Studio B from BYU Broadcasting in Provo, Utah for week six of Coordinator's Corner with BYU Football. I'm your host, Spencer Linton. Wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us on a winning Monday. Another loaded rundown as we discuss history within BYU's first ever Big 12 win and how they earned it in front of a sold-out Lavelle Edwards Stadium last Friday night. Following that victory over Cincinnati, BYU now sits 4-1 and one on the season, 1-1 one and one in the Big 12, and head into the bye week with, of course, a chance to get a little more healthy and prepare for a very challenging October. Our headline guests on today's show, offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick and special teams coordinator Kelly Papinga. Let's do this and officially welcome in the BYU offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Aaron Roderick. Coach, welcome and congratulations on an historic win in BYU football history beating Cincinnati. Yeah, thanks. It was a good win. Good to be Good to, good to be at home. Our crowd really uh, really had an impact on that game. Absolutely. And you have an interesting perspective because, of course, you were a player at BYU. Yep. You, were, you know the WAC days and the Mountain West days sure. and what those were like and the build to get to a Power 5 conference. So from your perspective, what makes that win on Friday night special individually for you? Well, I mean, a lot of things. Just um, it, it starts with just, you know, it's a, you only get one chance to – you know, play your first home game in the Big 12, and you get one shot at that. And we wanted to make sure we got the win for our fans. You know, they, they showed up and they were loud. And so, you know, that, that, you know, you get one chance at that. And if you miss it up, then it's, you don't get it back. And so we got it done. Uh, it wasn't pretty all the time, but we, we found a way to win. And that, that's the part that's best for me, just getting a win in front of our home crowd. Yeah. You get the scoring started with Jacob Robinson on a pick six. Yeah. So when you're watching that happen as an offensive coordinator, how does that shift your mindset and, and impact your approach, if at all, after that happens? It was early enough in the game. It doesn't really affect you know, what we're trying to do. Um, you do have to sit there and wait a little while to get another chance to get back on the field. Um, that's one thing. That's the only thing. There's no <laughs> downside to getting a pick six. And trust me, a pick six is awesome. Um, but yeah, we felt like we were on the sideline there for quite a while before we got our next opportunity. So after he scores, then you go into a little bit of a funk and, and have a hard time getting something consistent going on offense until there are 36 seconds left in the first half. At that point, this is wild. Keaton Slovis has two yards passing on one of seven throwing the ball. So with 30 seconds set, or 36 seconds left in the half, what changes for the BYU offense there? Well, we, we just went to our two-minute offense and um, the plays we ran were basically just our base plays, like our day one pass plays. Um, and but the story of our season so far offensively is that we are explosive. You know, we're we're not as consistent as I'd like us to be, especially in the run game. But explosive plays are are the story of our season so far, and it's it's the reason why we're actually scoring quite a few points, considering. Um, you know, some other inconsistencies that we need to improve upon. We just saw the scoring play to Darius Lasseter. I asked Keaton yeah. Slovis about it after the game, and he said we ran it against our scout team, and they did a pretty good job covering it. So I was not expecting Darius to be yeah. that wide open, but he was. And sometimes those are the hardest plays to make. Yeah, it's funny. We never got the perfect look in practice. The scout team covered it pretty well. We were, and and um, even when we tried to, like, coordinate it so it would be there, it wasn't quite clean, but um, – it worked, it worked exactly as we planned in the game. 
So Darius scores, fun little celebration there. The entire vibe changes on the yeah. sideline going into the halftime locker room. So take us inside that locker room. What were the discussions like when, in some ways, it felt like you kind of stole a lead there at the very end? Yeah, I think sometimes the term uh, halftime adjustments can be overrated. But in this case, we actually did a, I thought we did a nice job as a staff making some adjustments. We went to some uh, more in-breaking routes in the second half. We started, they were playing really heavy outside shade on us, trying to prevent us from throwing the ball down the field like we like to do. Mm -hmm. we, we do a lot of isolated one-on-ones outside and they were taking those away. So in the second half, we started going to more in-breaking things and throwing the ball more over the middle of the field. And um, like that was one of those plays right there, Isaac. And I thought those adjustments were effective and it, it helped us move the ball. Well, I don't want to overlook just the fact that this drive, again, the Lasseter touchdown catch, it, it seemed to change everything. You have a decision to make in your mind at th with 36 seconds left because you're down three and you're like, yeah. well, we don't want to turn the ball over and maybe we should just yeah. go into halftime. So why did you opt to be aggressive in that moment? Because we, we, you know, we want to be aggressive uh, as a team. We're not trying to not, you know, just we don't want to go out there and just try not to screw it up. You know, we want to be aggressive. Um, and we have a lot of faith in our quarterback. You know, Keaton's a good player, and he's, he's a smart player. He's an accurate thrower, and so why not? We, you know, we've got explosive receivers, and so we decided to be aggressive. And, you know, the scoring right before the half and then scoring on the first drive of the third quarter, you know, that, that middle eight minutes of the game, really, in, that, in this case, it was 30 seconds in the first, like, four <laughs> minutes of the half. Um, that middle section of the game, we dominated that part of the game, and that's really what blew it open. It's a new thing. You yeah. won the middle four minutes and 36 yeah, seconds. Something, something like that, yeah. <laughs> Aaron Roderick, offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for BYU, is with us on BYU Sports Nation. We talked at length about the run game last week, and you said Cincinnati's front seven <laughs> is so tough, and they are. They're yeah. really good. But you seem to find a little bit more success, even against a better rush defense than you faced all season. So what was the difference there? We did. I know the stats don't really look great, but we made some progress this week. In, in a short practice week, we had fewer reps to work with. We made some progress, and that was a very good defensive front. Um, well, snap over the head late in the game doesn't yeah, help the rush did, statistic. That, that, hurt, that hurt our stats, too, but, you know, whatever. It's, there's a lot of teams that lost Saturday that are talking about how good their stats were today. You know, so we, we found a way to win, and we found a way to make some yards in the run game when we really needed it. We were able to punch the ball across the goal line when we were down on the one. We were able to convert a couple of short yards uh, plays, you know, third and one, fourth and one, or we didn't have any fourth and one, two third and ones we converted in the field. And then we had the long touchdown run by LJ. And then I thought Miles Davis gave us a spark. Um, he had a couple of good plays mm -hmm. or he gave us a spark. So obviously by week, we got to keep getting better at it. That's, that's our main focus this week. Um, but we did make some progress the other night. Yeah, let's talk about Miles Davis. You bring him into the conversation. Uh, he breaks off an 11-yard run, four carries overall, 17 yards. What did you like from him in practice that made you feel like it was going to translate well in the game? Miles has just had a great attitude. He's been a great, uh, you know, he's handled some adversity really well. You know, he, he, last year he got to play a lot, then he got hurt. And then in spring, he wasn't quite himself yet. And then in fall camp, we just kind of, got rolling with some other guys and he never hung his head. He never felt sorry for himself. He just kept working. And then just noticed in the last couple weeks in practice, like, man, he looks fast and he looks better than he's ever looked. So we decided to give him a chance on a, on a couple of wide plays and see if he could use his speed and make yards for us. And, and he did it. He, he really showed up and he had an impact on the game. 
All right, one final question before we take our first break, and it goes back to LJ's long touchdown run that you mentioned. On a third and 13, yeah. what, what did you see right there that made you feel like that play would be successful? Well, it's inaudible. Keaton, so we have a different play called. I'm not going to say what it was. We have a different <laughs> play called, and then if the box is light, and the, you know, the, depending on what the look is, if the box is light, he can check to the run, and that's what he did. He, so that's a, you know, it was, it was a good plan by our coaching staff, and then good job by Keaton of executing the audible. And uh, obviously we caught them off guard. They were expecting pass. And uh, yeah. LJ is such a physical runner. And, and to your credit, you've been saying, you've known he was great from the moment he yeah. stepped on campus. People don't think about how little time, relatively speaking, he's had with the team and he's doing this. Yeah, he's, a, he's a pretty impressive for such a young kid. Unbelievable. Okay, more great stuff ahead with uh, offensive coordinator Aaron Roddick as we head to break. A reminder to join Dave McCann and former Cougars Blaine Fowler and David Nixon tomorrow night for a brand new episode of After Further Review as they take a look at the Cougars' first Big 12 win. It happens against the Bearcats. That's tomorrow, 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app or ESPN+. When we come back, BYU's Offensive Player of the Week named by Coach Roderick and the number one thing BYU wants to improve upon during the bye week. This is Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Find space to the right. Martin's got a first down and more. The 10 to 5. The touchdown. A 29-yard touchdown run for LJ Martin. Another explosive touchdown play for BYU football as we continue our review of the Friday night win with BYU's offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick, Greg Rubel on the call there. And, uh, I mean, we mentioned the third and 13, Coach, but how do you – when you look back at the run game overall, you know, you already mentioned the stats don't look favorable, but the snap over the head kind of just is annoying and it hurts, hurts that number in the end. But how would you assess the offensive line performance specifically overall in the run game on Friday night? They played their best game so far. I mean, we, we, that was a tough front. And again, you got to remember, they can only block five of the players on defense, you know. So I thought we did some good things um, being shorthanded without, without Waylon. Uh, we had to, Ian Fitzgerald in there getting his first start at guard. He's mostly been a tackle in his career. So I think, that's, I think that's the first game he's ever started at guard in his whole football career. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's correct. I'm not positive, but um, I thought they did a lot of good things. The O-line did, did a lot of good things, gave us a chance in that game. We need to be better blockers as a football team, and mm. that's, that's our number one goal of this week. This bye week is just, you know, our whole football team just being better blockers. And so we're going to get back to – it's going to be like fall camp, you know, just back to fundamentals, technique, yeah. basics – uh, the basics of just executing our core assignments to our core run plays and doing them the right way at all positions. And okay. so that's the focus this week. So you'd say, I mean, I was going to ask you, what's what's the number one thing you want to shore up and, and adjust during the bio? You'd probably just answer yeah, the just, question. Just back to fundamentals, our base plays. You know, the, the plays work. We just got to block them better. We need to uh, execute better as a unit. All right. We have talked a lot about the play from the game, which is Keaton Slovis' little quick hip shift to the left to avoid a rush, and then he throws a pass that's intended for Keanu Hill. It ends up in the hands of Chase Roberts and goes for a 59-yard touchdown pass. I told Keaton and Chase after the game they should go to the grave saying, like, no, we meant to do that. <laughs> but Keaton's he's got too much integrity. He's like, no, I got lucky on that play. Walk us through what you saw and, and how that play unfolded from your vantage point. Well, the throw was a little off to, to uh, Keanu because – 
the, you know, the Keaton got hit in the face as he's throwing it and uh, they didn't call it. And then they also basically tackled Keanu right there too. But, um, you know, it was, it was Chase just, um, you know, we've, we've had some tough luck things go against us this year and this one went our way and Chase made a great play. Well, Keaton's got a bloodied crown of his nose to show that uh, illegal hands to the face, but at least, to your point, worked out well, and, and Chase runs for 59 yards in that touchdown pass. Uh, we may as well go there. Who's your offensive player of the week? It was Chase. He played a really solid game. Um, did, did a lot of good things in that game for us and gave us a spark on the first play of the third quarter. Um, and just he's doing doing lots of good things. There was, he had a, a one, I think it was a one or two yard reception in the red zone where it was just a little bubble screen and he lunged forward and got the first down, you know, and we threw him an option route in the third quarter and he uh, ran over a guy to, to number 49, a big tough linebacker for them and got the first down on that too. Just did a bunch of little things in that game that really helped us win besides the obvious big play. Uh, touchdown. Six catches for 130 plus, including that 59 yard scamper. And he's running away from some guys right there. Does Chase have underrated speed? Chase can run. He's fast. Yep. There's no no doubt about it. We've we've always known that. I think I think people uh, underestimate him on a weekly basis. He's one of our fastest guys. All right. Aaron Roderick is with us on BYU Sports Nation. From a pass protection standpoint, specifically, how did the offensive line do with Ian Fitzgerald and some some guys in some new places? Good. And in fact, our pass protection has been a strength for us this season. Um, you know, it's not perfect. We definitely have some things to get better at. Um, and we had a couple of pressures the other night where we got to do a little better at running back or tight end. But um, overall, I'm pleased with how we're pass protecting. Um, again, it's not perfect by any means, but um, if we can get our run game going, then it should, that should help our pass protection even more because the, you know, the best complement to the passing game is a good run game. So I think, um, but, we're doing a lot of good things. Can we just take a moment and congratulate you and all of BYU football for no illegal touching penalty this week? Yeah, that's... <laughs> that was, uh, you know, one of the keys of the game every week is don't beat yourself, take care of the football, and don't beat yourself. And that's, you know, we won the turnover battle. We didn't turn it over. They did. And we played a clean game for the most part. I think we had one penalty Wild. in the game. It was a holding penalty, which you can live with one, one or two of those in a game if guys are playing hard. And you can call holding on almost every play in the, in the game on both sides of the ball. So um, we got caught one time for a holding penalty. You know, like to not have that, but that was our only penalty of the night. And um, so, was, you know, in that regard, we we played a good solid game of not beating ourselves. Now, such a unique game and, and certainly turnovers and being disciplined help in BYU overcoming a scenario where you're outgained by more than 200 yards. And we looked, it's never happened in BYU football history where you are outgained by 200 yards and BYU wins the game, but that has changed. But doesn't that just kind of feel like how this season has gone for, for BYU, especially on offense, like you just opportunistic to the max? It's been a strange season, yeah, and, and um, but we're, you know, we're scoring on explosive plays. I think we're 32 points a game right now, which is, you know, uh, not, we, we want to do better, but that's a good amount of points. If we, if we take care of the football and get 32 points on the board, we're going to have a great chance to win in any game. And so, um, like I said, there's a lot of teams right now that are, you know, lost Saturday, they're talking about how great their stats are. And yeah. so we want to improve. We need to improve. Um, this bye week is crucial and we're gonna uh, we're gonna we're gonna work hard at 
at playing more consistent football, but also, man, it's Big 12. We're four and one, and every week is going to be a four-quarter dogfight. Uh, you know, you look around the conference; that's how all the games are. It's it's uh, most most of the games are close four-quarter battles. Yeah, if you need any evidence of that, just go back and watch what happened between UCF and Baylor. Yeah. <laughs> the 28-point comeback by the Bears, and then great game between TCU and West Virginia. TCU and West Virginia, and West Virginia is a team that before the season nobody thought they were any good. And picked to finish last. To look at them now; they're playing good defense. They're scrappy and and uh, opportunistic on offense, and they got to win at TCU. All right. Sounds a little bit like BYU. Uh, we'll take our second break. A reminder that uh, dinner before or after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody. From burgers to wings, shakes to salads, JCW's quality and a lot of it in Lehigh, American Fork, Provo, South Jordan, and now open in Harriman. After this, a look into BYU's bye week. More on what the Cougars are going to try and shore up as they prepare for their first October run through the Big 12 beginning with TCU. You're in the coordinator's corner brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Coordinator's Corner on BYU TV is brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Coordinator's Corner brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Our final segment now with BYU Offensive Coordinator and Quarterbacks Coach Aaron Roderick. This segment presented by Intermountain Health, official medical provider of BYU Athletics. And fitting that uh, it is a medical sponsor here because my first question out of the break here is dealing with the health of the team and hoping to get some guys in a better position so that they can return for the TCU game. So uh, offensively speaking, Coach, how are the injured players, notably Waylon Lapuahu, Cody Epps, Aiden Robbins, as far as their progress in getting back? I think there's a chance we can get those guys back. Um, it's not, I don't, know, I don't know exactly, I can't predict exactly yet, but we have two full weeks till we play, so I think there's a good chance we could get one or two or maybe all three of them back. Wow, okay, and, and in the nick of time for TCU. Um, as it pertains to Cody Epps, I know he's he's been frustrated, and you're frustrated yeah. for him, and it's been a tough go. What's his mindset like, and, and how are things with him as he tries to, to hustle back into the lineup? Um, I mean, yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, he Cody's mindset is that he's always he's a squared away guy, so he's always you know I think mind is in the right place. It's just physically getting his body right to be able to play again. What will he bring to BYU football when he is healthy? Because your receivers, to their credit, have been pretty good without yeah. him. But what will he bring? He's just a reliable, reliable guy. You know, he moves the chains. He's a guy that is where he's supposed to be, makes plays, and moves the chains. He's, that's, he's a first down making, maker. Dom Henry is a guy that got some attention in training camp. And yeah. he, too, is, is getting healthy. Do you anticipate that he will see the field as we push forward? Um, he is cleared. And we'll, he's now, you know, in the in the mix, I would say, yeah. Um, he's got some guys ahead of him right now because he's just missed a lot of time. But in fall camp, he was playing really well and doing a lot of good things. You know, th thought mm. good chance he would help us this season, and I, I think there is still a good chance he'll help us at some point. L.J. Martin is clearly the guy. He's earned it. He showed it. Uh, a little bit of Miles Davis. How can Aiden Robbins help the running back room when he's healthy as well? Well, he just brings us another veteran player, thousand-yard rusher a year ago. You know, so. Um, he just hasn't had a chance to really get going yet this year just due to the injuries. But um, we're, we're anxious to get him back. He's a good football player, and we'd, we'd love to get him back. Yeah, what is the key to getting a guy like that going when he has been frustrated because of injuries and, and things didn't go well super early in the season? 
Well, you just have to be, you know, you, you, you want to be, uh, have a sense of urgency, but at the same time, you just got to understand you can't get it all back at, at once. You know, you got to get healthy, then you get on the field and get a few reps under your belt, you know, and get used to the speed of the game again. And he's playing in our, in our offense, which uh, it's his first season in this offense. Yeah, he's had a lot of reps though, so he, he knows what he's doing, but um, it's going to be a process. It's not like you just come back and all of a sudden you're just back to your old thousand yard self last year. He's going to have to work his way back in, but we are anxious to get him back. And, um, you know, we, we have not lost any faith in him at all. We keep hearing the word resilient, whether it's individuals like Aiden Robbins and, and other guys on the roster, and just as a team in general, like the identity of this team yeah. might be resilient. And we have got a graphic here to kind of show the mindset that that at least displayed itself statistically on Friday night. The first 29 minutes, okay, your offense scores zero points, got 38 total yards, and then the back 31, 28 points, 257 total yards, 223 in the air from Keaton Slovis. Um, how do you how do you assess those things? Because everyone's chasing the complete game. Um, it's it's football. It's probably not going to happen, but you're chasing it. So how do you build off of something like this in a bye week, especially? Well, you just, yeah, I mean, you have to be honest with yourself about the parts that aren't good. I mean, you, you can't you can't ignore that. You know, we have to be honest with ourselves about the things we need to improve upon, and then you want to build on the things you're doing well, and you want to appreciate winning. So um, we're all really excited about the win. We're four and one. Those are good things, and then we got to have, you know, good, honest uh, self-evaluation individually, each player, each coach, and then as a unit also, this is a great week. We, we uh, do a lot of self-scout where we're, we're going to look at every single aspect of our offense and how we can improve in this bye week. You already mentioned just good old fundamentals, especially yeah. blocking fundamentals. Anything else you want to throw into that list that uh, you're going to hit hard in practice this week? That's the main focus of the week is just be a better blocker at every position and then execute the plays as a unit um, you know, more cleanly. And then, um, of course, as a coaching staff, we'll keep looking at every way we can to use our players you know, which schemes we're using in which situations, um, you know, that's that's a big part of it as well. Are the mental mistakes subsiding? Yeah, we're making fewer mistakes each game. And, you know, it, you don't ever, you know, don't ever want to use, make excuses, but we do have a lot of new players on this offense this year who, you know, doing it in fall camp is uh, one thing. And then you go out there in a live game against a quality opponent and things are happening fast and sometimes those mistakes add up. Hmm. And so... We've been making fewer and fewer each week, um, and this game was one of the cleaner games we've played. And you know now we want to use the bye week to make some more progress before we go play TCU. We don't have a coordinator's corner show next week because of the bye week. So what's the early scout on TCU as we're essentially two weeks out? Well, they were in the national championship last year. You know, and, I'm sorry, and, what? Uh, <laughs> by the way, and Cincinnati was a playoff team two years two ago. Two years ago, and yeah. Still a lot of good players on that team. I mean, that's a that's a. That's a good team. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, they have a very good defense. It's a 3-3-5 unique scheme. It starts with a big nose guard that's really hard to move. He clogs up the middle of the field, and then they are loaded with athletes in the secondary. They, it's going to be a challenge, um, and we've got to go on the road. Day game on the road, and, and uh, so I'm, I'm excited about it. Do you care when the game is played? Do you? No. Okay. No. I know a lot of attention has been paid to the BYU is really good at night, and then it's kind of a coin flip at, at you know, the, the middle of the, of the day. So. Yeah, but I can name some really big wins we've had in the daytime, too. I mean, we beat, we beat USC here at home. We beat Wisconsin on the road uh, in a day game. And, you know, there's other ones, too. So 
I think that stuff is, you know. <laughs> we, we do love night games with our, we do love night games at home with our fans because it is sure. that's, that's a fun environment. We appreciate the support. All right, we'll finish with this. What do you do when you win a Friday game and you have a Saturday to just watch college football? Do you is there something that you enjoy as you're watching the game? Is, is there like a milkshake, a celebratory thing? What do you do, A Rod? I spent Saturday just with my kids. You know, just it's uh, the season gets really busy. Um, you know, we it's it's tough. This work schedule is pretty tough in the football season, and then uh, so I just spent Saturday just you know saw a couple of 14 year old basketball games. Yes. And, and took my two year old to the park, and you know did some of that. And I I did catch a little bit of football, but the day was mostly about just kids and, and uh, yeah. Ah, great stuff. Uh, congratulations again on Big 12 win number one. Here's to many more, and uh, good luck during the bye week. Thanks for having me. Aaron Roderick with us on BYU Sports, or sorry, I should say Coordinator's Corner, part of the BYU Sports Nation flagship. Coming up next, we welcome BYU Special Teams Coordinator Kelly Papinga into the studio as the Coordinator's Corner continues. We're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. There's Kelly hanging out in the corner. Rico gets it away. There was some mild pressure from the Bearcats, and it'll bounce in front of Smith-Overs. Hitting touched it. It's loose. The ball is loose, and the Cougars have recovered at the 15-yard line of Cincinnati. It ends up being recovered by the deep snapper, Austin Riggs. You are in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. A fantastic call by Greg Rubella right there. As we begin the second half of our show, we welcome in BYU special teams coordinator and defensive ends coach Kelly Papinga. Coach, uh, welcome. Congratulations on Big 12 win number one. I was talking to A-Rod about just the, the historic significance, and especially as a former player, you're part of this, this program that has been building, building, building for a, a moment like this, and you win that game. So what was that like for you emotionally? I mean, just for... Me, you know, to be in that stadium again and have that atmosphere, something I had, you know, missed for the past six years, seven years that I've been gone, having that again and that, you know, lights, conference. It felt like uh, really the last time I've had that feeling here, uh, you know, 2009, 2010, I guess it would be when the last time I was a coach here as a GA. Um, so it had been a while, but it was fun, man. It was fun to get the win. Um, it would have been nice to be able to put the game away, you know, without getting that last touchdown. You know, I think the offense wants to score at the end, you know, there, or we at least kick the field goal, and then I think they just hand the ball off to really get out of the game. Instead, yeah. we keep it within a two-score game, and now they can go down. And, you know, we didn't execute the two-minute drill great, but, uh, you know, I think – Special teams-wise, if we just put the ball through the uprights right there, I think it's a completely – yeah. the game ends completely different than what it did. For sure. Hey, your boy Chase Roberts on the oh, hands yeah. team comes up Huge. big on Probably the onside the, kick. You know, we talk about the pick six and then the fumble that happens on punt, but that's just as big as a play as any play yes. out there. And we practice hands team all the time, and you just never know when you're going to use it. And I, as a special teams coordinator, the, those are the last two words you want out of your mouth at the end of the game, hands team. And I'm like going up the sideline, <laughs> hands team, hands team. I'm like, oh, dang it. This game is all, you know, depending now on our hands team and executing and they executed well we there's a couple things we'll we'll fix on there um really chase probably should have let that ball go back to keanu the ball was going really hot but you know he ends up making a play you can never fault the guy for making a play and we end up getting the ball and winning the game but um you know there's a reason why i have chase on the you know on the 100 to be able to make that play um but yeah there's a couple things we'll fix on that but it you know helped us seal the deal right there okay let's go back to the austin riggs fumble recovery on the punt return which is just it's almost poetic because he's one he's the long snapper and he's good at his job okay they fly under the radar they they go on they snap the ball and sometimes occasionally they'll make a a play here and there he 
to his credit, he gets blown up at Arkansas on that long punt return. Yeah. Like, it was a yeah. bad moment for Austin. Yeah. Okay? And so he gets talked to, and he goes down and, and makes a little adjustment, and he follows the play, and he recovers that. What, what are you feeling when you watch him recover that ball? <laughs> I was just, you know, we were having a good time on the sideline, you know, as we watch it right here. Um, he really, he'd had a three or four games in a row where he'd have perfect snaps, and actually the punt was off, the snap was off a little bit right there. Um, that's why the block, or the kick almost got blocked, but Austin's not the fastest guy, but you can see right there, his speed was just good enough for him to kind of whistle his way in right there and make a play, you know? And so he, uh, you know, I, I'm happy for him. The guys were happy for him. And, uh, you know, it was an exciting moment. And a huge, huge turning point in the game right there. I think our offense had just gone three and out. We were only up one score. And now our offense has the ball, you know, inside the 15-yard line right there. And they go in and score a touchdown. And now we're up two scores. And so, yeah. Um, it was a big time, big time play. And, but it all started once again, Ryan had a great punt. Marcus applying the pressure like he's done all year long. Um, and so, you know, he had two of those um, in the game that were really impressive. He makes another tackle earlier on in the game where they double team him just like yeah. Arkansas tried to do. He defeats the double team, goes down there and makes a, makes a really good one-on-one -on -one tackle. And uh, so um, just happy for him. He's played really, really well. And I don't know if there's another gunner in the country that's been as productive as Marcus McKenzie. Um, so just happy the way our punt team got back to how we played in the first three games. Um, you know, I don't think we performed great against Kansas. Really didn't have many opportunities, but it was good to get them back out there. I think our net ended up being 44, yeah. um, which is two more than what our goal is. Um, so it's happy for Ryan and the rest of our punt team to go out there and help our team be successful. Yeah, Marcus is a special player and very understated. You yeah. know, he constantly is like, no, nah, it's Rico, man. Rico <laughs> kicks the butt, it hangs up there for like 20 seconds, and I just do my thing. Yeah. He's like, oh, Marcus, you're, you got some special techniques. Yeah, he does. And there's, and, you know, just talking to his coaches, we got to find more ways to get him out on the field. And so it started just with punt. Now he's on punt return. He's on kickoff. Um, we'll find some things hopefully for him to do defensively too as well to get his, his role increased. But as you watch him right there, just kind of getting getting in the way just enough um, to not let the returner get back on the ball when, you know, really the return made a poor decision. And honestly, we saw it in the scouting report um, with number zero throughout um, the season so far. He had not made good decisions. And so I told the guys early in the week, I said, if this ball bounces, um, he's going to make a poor decision. Either keep himself around the ball to where he's going to potentially want to um, pick it up late, or in that situation, just a high ball that bounces and you know he's just not tall enough to be able to go get that ball and just made a bad decision. And we were able to capitalize on it, which as you know, in that moment right there is a huge moment. Like I, you know, it's you game changer. Yeah, it, you know, without that or the pick six, you could say you know we have a you know that game's a completely different game at the end. Special teams coordinator and defensive ends coach Kelly Papinga is with us on the coordinator's corner. I said it uh, earlier on BYU Sports Nation today that history was made in a couple of ways on Friday night. One, you pick up the first Big 12 win program history as a Power 5 home win. It's awesome. Secondly, and this is from Sports Information Director Duff Tittle, he said, for the first time in 28 years, I was asked for an interview with a deep snapper. There you go. <laughs> That's awesome. And, yeah. and Austin got it. Uh, yeah. yeah, really, really fun moment right there. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk about Ryan Rico and, and Will Farron specifically and the rest of the special teams and then get the take just on your overall thoughts on what the defense did. Yeah. I, know, I know you and Jay talk a lot, so yeah. we'll, we'll dive into the defense performance overall. Perfect. But Kelly Papinga will be with us for more as the Coordinator's Corner continues. We're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Stay with us. 
Coordinator's Corner on BYU-TV is brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. The Coordinator's Corner, BYU, 35-27 win over Cincinnati on Friday night. We're with Special Teams Coordinator Kelly Papinga. And as promised, we got to talk about your two kickers, your special, special pacing for an All-American designation punter in Ryan Rico and then Will Farron, who's been pretty solid thus far. So let's start with Rico. Mm-hmm. Um, what can you say about Ryan Rico that hasn't already been said and, and what he's doing for this BYU football team? Yeah, he made, uh, you know, probably the thing that he didn't, that a lot of people didn't see is he made a punt in the game on Saturday where um, I think we were on the left hash. He ended up punting the ball to the right uh, sideline, 45 yards out of bounds. And so like things like that that just, you know, probably go unnoticed by the by the common fan is a huge deal. And the ball, I think, was um, right on the 15-yard line. So now we got them pinned inside the 20 on a 45-yard net. Um, and so he was exceptional. As you can see, he had, I think, one punt that was 65 yards, which is awesome, I think, for the fans to see. And this is the punt that we're watching right now. That was the one. Um, sometimes you can outkick your coverage and the, um, the punt can be too far. Um, and so that's what happened in one of the punts today, or on uh, Friday night, was the punt was a little too far. I think it's this one right here where we're kicking out of our end, so where he flips the field, but sometimes when you kick it too far, and you can see right here, by the time the returner catches the ball, we didn't have a guy within 25 yards, and that's, that is a little bit of an issue when you kick it too far. We need a little better hang time, and I would say ideally for Ryan, if we could just go 50 yards in the air and have like a five hang time, then there'll be no returns. And sure. So, one of the negatives that we have right now on our punt team is that we have more returns than, um, than anybody else in the country. So more people are returning the ball because he's getting just a little too far outside of our coverage. Um, and so we can be better with our hang time, not booming at 65, even though the fans, I think, love to see that. Yeah. If we can keep that around 50, 55 with a better hang time, we'll be good. And then. It happened twice in the game where we had chances to pin them inside the five yard line, 10 yard line. We missed two opportunities on that. So we call that pin punt, pin them inside the 10. And so we want to be 100% on that when we have those opportunities and we missed two of those opportunities. Um, we did get another punt that was inside the 10, but that was outside of our pin area. But anyway, so just being better in our pin punt situation, pinning them inside the 10, and then just a little better hang time and not out kicking our coverage. Um, even though sometimes it works for you, sometimes it's not, but I'd rather just be more consistent hitting that ball yeah. around 50 and with hang time around five seconds. How would you assess the performance to this point through five games of your kicker, Will Farron, who you go way back with. Yeah. I mean, he, you brought him from Boise State. Yeah, solid. I think he's done a solid job. I think if he would have hit the kick averse, you know, Cincinnati at the end of the game right there, we would have been really happy with him. That would have given him, you know, two or three weeks in a row where he'd been. Well, I guess he missed the one at Arkansas, but that would have given him two back-to-back weeks of hitting all of his kicks, which I think is a positive. Um, but he had 100% touchbacks, which was huge. We didn't see any kickoff returns. And number eight, who's their best receiver, he was their kick returner. So it was good to see that guy not returning the ball. That was good. Um, they could have had a chance to return the last one. I think the ball was about one or two yards deep, and he decided just not to take it out late in the game. But um, pleased to see the touchbacks. Want to see he's booming the ball on that. And then just got to be a little more clutch in that situation. That's twice now in the fourth quarter where we've missed two kicks 
kicks where I think we could have made them. They were both inside sure. of 45. So we, we got to get better at that um, situation, but uh, we'll continue to apply pressure on them in practice to hopefully try to simulate these situations. And then we got to sure up our protection, our edge on this one right here. I was not pleased with, with Isaac. And, I was going to ask you, did, yeah. did that impact why he hooked the ball yeah, there? I think, there's, I think there's a little bit of that, but they're really taught. Like if you look at his eyes right there, he's not even looking at the pressure. He doesn't really see it. Maybe at the corner of, eye, of his eye, he feels it a little bit, but we got to be better right there on the edge of just protecting and making sure somebody's not coming clean because there was a chance. I mean, he could have really blocked that right there. And so um, we just got to be better in those situations, just you know, securing the, the protection for the kicker and the holder and the snapper to do their job. All right, let's uh, flip it to the other side. How would you rate the performance of your kick returners and punt returners to this point of the season? Uh, yeah, I would say right now I'm pleased with our uh, kick returners. I think uh, we've had some really good returns by Parker so far. I think he's had two good returns. And then last week versus Kansas, Keelan had a really good return um, that had a chance to probably get past the 30-35 if, if we get one more block. We missed one block that was pretty simple that we could have gotten. But I'm happy with those two guys. And really this week, the return that we do bring out with Keelan if he goes in the right spot, it has a chance to get a big return. And so he, uh, he goes inside where he's supposed to bounce it outside and he runs right into a uh, guy that we're blocking, right? The direction we're blocking him. So it's just being able to read the return, understanding where he's supposed to hit it. Um, but I do like both of their explosiveness, you know, that they can provide in those situations. The, the area where we got to get a lot better, significantly better is with our punt returners. And so Hoppins has been back there. He's a the guy that we trust catching the football. Um, he's had some opportunities to be able to return some kicks. One in this in this game where he had a chance to get a big return and just not going in the direction that we need him to go. Um, and guys are doing a great job of blocking. Mm. And so, um, yeah, going forward, we got to improve in that situation for sure and get us some punt return yardage. Is it as simple as just getting up the field quicker? Yeah, getting vertical. That's what we tell them all the time. Hobbs is not a speed guy. So if, if Parker's back there or Keelan or other two punt returners, now we could have some walls designed for them. But primarily for punt return, you want to catch the ball and you want to get it vertical as much as you can. And so you might have to make one guy miss. So it's more about making the first guy miss and then getting vertical as fast as we can. And that's how most you know, special teams coordinators design their punt returns. Very few guys actually design wall returns, um, but we'll have them. We've had a few this year, but Hobbs is not that guy. He's not the speed guy. He's the vertical guy, ball security. Um, he's been great at, and so we just, we, we got to get him to hit the ball or hit, hit the return vertical, and, uh, and we will. He'll get, he's a good football player. He's done enough. Um, we'll get better at that. I know we will. The guys care a lot about it, so. Kelly Papinga is on the coordinator's corner, special teams coordinator and defensive ends coach. Who's your special teams player of the week? Yeah, so guy that's continued to, you know, do it week in and week out, Marcus McKenzie. I got to go with him again. Well deserved. Yeah, you know, giving, giving us the opportunity to be able to get that muff punt at the end of the uh, third quarter there and then made another great tackle on punt. Or sorry, yeah, on punt. And then he, uh, you know, makes a great key block on the opportunity that we had to make a punt return. Like I said before, if Hobbs goes in the, direct, the right direction, that block looks a lot better. But um, he's just doing a lot of great things for us right here. I think this is the one where we kind of outkick our coverage. He beats the double team, and then he goes down and makes a great tackle. And so the thing that we're loving as a defensive coach is that this guy, I don't think he's missed many tackles. And he's been down and he's made plenty of, you know, have plenty of opportunities to make huge plays. And so it's like if we're doing, if he's doing that at a consistent basis on special teams, we got to find a role for him on defense, which I think, you know, over these next couple of weeks, we'll find something yeah. for him to do. You can't tell me with just the film that he's put out on special teams this week, that at some point, some NFL special teams coordinator isn't licking his chops like, 
Oh, yeah. That guy's got something special. Yeah, and especially this week after he defeated the double team, something that was an issue a couple weeks ago against Arkansas. He does that, you know, Friday night. And, uh, you know, as soon as, that it, as soon as they lined up and I saw the double team, I was like, all right, here we go, boys. We're going to have to cover. <laughs> Somebody else is going to have to probably make a play besides Marcus. Um, but he ends up defeating the double and makes the play. All right, we'll come back with some more commentary from Kelly Papinga, specifically about the defensive performance overall, talk about his defensive ends, and take a look ahead to TCU. We'll step away, as I mentioned, but a reminder to join BYU Sports Nation, hosted by myself and Jerem Jordan, weekdays, noon Eastern, on BYU TV and BYU Radio for your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. And as mentioned, the final segment of the show, Coach Papinga discusses the Horn Frogs and what... They want to do to get better on special teams and defense during the bye week. Coordinator's Corner continues after this, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Coordinator's Corner on BYU-TV is brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Siegfried and Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. And by Smith's, low prices, market fresh. You're in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. For the fourth season in a row, BYU has begun the season 4-1 and one or better. This time around, however, BYU won't have to wait until November to take on the bye week and some time to get healthy. Now members of the Big 12, BYU will benefit from a rest earlier in the season to prepare for a key stretch through October in Big 12 play. Um, and to help us get ready for the second half of the season. In large part, after the bye week, we're visiting with special teams coordinator and defensive ends coach Kelly Papinga. Let's start with the, at least this segment, the overall performance by the defense. Kalani came off. I spoke to him after the game. And he said, yeah, yeah we got to be a little better. we got to stop the run a little bit better. we got to do a better job containing the quarterback. Now you've seen the film. You've seen it all break down. So how, how do you think things went against Cincinnati defensively? Yeah, I think obviously the – the problem in the first half was we, we just couldn't get off the field. You know, we would get in third down situations and they would make a play. And we had two or three drives throughout the whole entire game that were one drive that was 17 plays, one drive that was 15, I think another one that was 12, which is way too much. Um, so we got to do a better job on third down, getting off the field. Um, we did have a couple fourth down stops. I think we had two, which was huge. Those are just like, we treat those just those like, like turnovers. turnovers. Just like turnovers. And so having two fourth down stops was big having no touchdowns in the red zone, which was huge. And then we end up with the two takeaways. Obviously the one was on the pump, but then the pick six. So to me, those are huge, huge plays where we could have, you know, we'll build on those. Um, the thing that was the biggest disappointment to us was the QB draw. We just did not do a great job of containing the quarterback. Credit to him, he's a great athlete. Um, he was a guy that I faced when I was at Virginia. He was in the, the Orange Bowl when we played. Um, and he was a guy that Florida brought, um, brought in to just run QB. So I, I knew, we knew going into the game, this guy was a good runner. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he ends up throwing us one, which we knew he was not the best thrower, but he showed in that game he was capable of making some good throws. But it just came down to stopping the QB draw. And the frustration, frustrating thing to us as, a, as coaches and as players is we had schemes designed to stop it and things that we had called in. And then it just comes down to players executing and doing their job. Um, and then obviously as coaches, we just got to do a better job of emphasizing the things, I guess, that we believe are going to hurt us. And we knew that going into the game. I and mean, if you go into the defensive end board right, right now in our defensive meeting room, I mean, there's QB draw written all over the board. And so we knew it was going to come. Now it just comes down to we got to stop it. We got to execute better. Um, and we got to coach it better. Uh, you know, I think it's both. It's not just a player problem. It's a coach problem, yeah. too, as well. And working together, we'll get it figured out. How much does Ben Bywater not being available 
impact something like that specific game plan against a very good running quarterback. Yeah, I think Ben Ben athletically can chase guys down, and I think in open field, um, he could have totally helped us out in that situation. But I love the guys that were there. I thought um, Harry, I thought he played really good. Harrison Ten tackles. Played, yeah, played really good, did some really solid things. Um, I think A.J. continues to show up and make plays every single game. Max made a ton of tackles. Um, but there's, a, there's room for improvement everywhere with all of our guys. And so, you know, especially with just our front side, Seven. We they're what we call a wide zone team, similar to what our offense does with their main run play. And their main run play that they ran, I think they ran it 15 times, an average of 3.1 yards of play, which is pretty good. Our, we wanted to keep them under three, so we were a little a little off on our goal right there. But um, that wasn't the issue. The issue was the QB draw, and I think he had over 100 yards rushing the quarterback, which is a major problem that we got to fix going into this next game. Which their quarterback's going to run, and pretty much every quarterback that we see in the Big 12 is going to run. So we got to <laughs> fix the problem. We'll we'll have good skills teams and uh, you know work go back to our basic techniques and fundamentals during the bye week to make sure we get that problem solved yeah you sound similar to what Aaron Roderick just told me like we he's he mentioned specifically we just need to be a better blocking team wherever you are on the field offensively we have to block better and mm-hmm. he said that's where we're going to start with the bye week instruction where is your bye week instruction going to start for the defense and special teams yeah I think specifically defensively we just want to get back to kind of the opposite of what they're talking about we want to be able to defeat blocks and make plays and tackle and so we we haven't tackled great in the last three games um, so it's coming down to two things I think being able to know how to be blocked and make plays, which is a fundamental thing of knowing how to take on a block, striking, shedding, and then from there, being able to make sure we're tracking the near hip, tackling with our shoulder, wrapping up, running our feet. We're trying to arm tackle too much instead of tackling with our shoulder. And so, um, you know, trying to reach too much instead of running our feet to finish tackles. So very simple things that we talked about going back to spring ball, fall camp. We just got to get back to the basics, fundamentals of tackling and defeating blocks. And, and uh, we'll, we'll be fine going forward. I, I truly believe that. We'll get some guys healthy, get some guys back, get some athletes back on the field um, to help us you know, play against some of these better athletic teams that we're going to be playing coming down the stretch here. Yeah, and I know that sometimes you're not giving specifics on guys like Ben Bywater, but uh, how is the health of the team, and, and when do you expect to have yeah, I think, all those pieces back? Yeah, I think we'll be in great shape. I really do. I think, by the, I think the bye week is coming at a great time. Everybody yeah. always says that, but really you're in the middle of the season pretty much. I think it's a great time. You know, you get four weeks of fall camp. Now we're in the fifth week of the season. We're about week nine, you know, Seven more games to go, plus, you know, conference championship game, bowl game. I think it's, we're right in the middle of this thing, so I think it's at a great time, especially with some of these guys injured. I think it's going to allow us to get two more weeks to get them ready to come back, you know, what is that, August or Octo- August? October, October 14th, 14th yeah. against TCU. So I think it's I think we're in a good spot, and I think we'll be – I think the fans and us as a program will be happy to see who the guys will be on the field come that Saturday. So 12 days away from TCU, and you've given us a little bit. Um, they, they've got athletes all over the field. What's the early scout on TCU's yeah, offense? So so it's, it's a scheme that we've seen before. So for um, people that know Coach Bryles, he was at Arkansas last year. So his scheme is what we saw here in Provo last year. And now obviously our defense is different from what we did a year ago. So um, we have a great idea. He's a guy I faced when I was at Virginia as well. He was at Florida State. And so um, both of us, you know, a lot of guys on the staff have faced him before. We know he's going to go really, really fast, try to tempo the game the whole entire time, uh, be able to get the ball to the perimeter and uh, run the quarterback a little bit, throw the ball down the field. I mean, his scheme is really, really good. And so we got to be great at just, I think, you know, playing the ball down the field, being great tacklers, um, being able to contain the quarterback. Um, if we do those things, we'll put ourselves in position to win the game. But, I, you know, ultimately, if you go back to the last two weeks, we got to do a great job holding on to the football like we did this last week, doing a great job taking it away, be great in the red zone, 
and win the field position battle. And I think that'll give us a chance in every single game. And if you look at the four games we've won this year, um, going back to this game last week, we were plus 13 yeah. in our starting field position. Um, a week ago, we were minus four. And so we've won the field position battle in every single game. And I think that's a combination of special teams and turnovers. Um, so play great special teams, take the ball away, hold on to the football, be great in the red zone. There's your and, winning formula, and ladies we'll and gentlemen. Yeah. Great to have you with yeah, us, man. Kelly. Thanks for the time, man. Yep. Thank Another you. great episode of Coordinator's Corner. That'll do it for week six of the show. Can't believe week, week six of this show going into the bye week. For coaches Aaron Roderick and Kelly Papinga and every member of our outstanding crew here at BYU Broadcasting, I am Spencer Linton. Enjoy the, the bye week. Watch lots of football. We'll get ready for TCU on October 14th. Go Cougs.